Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This is our Q&A night. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people watching on the live stream, so uh, we'll go. These are just questions that come in really for weeks, and um, I think so. And we, they're very uh, varied. There's a, a large variety of them. So uh, if you're new to the church, we also are continuing through the Gospel of Luke on Sunday. It's a really awesome gospel. A lot of good information in there. Okay, so without further ado, some of these are situational or, and they're, they're just good prag, pragmatic questions. You know, this is what I'm dealing with in my life. What, what does the Bible say? And then others are more doctrinal. So we, we get a large variety of these questions. Um, so this, I'm going to go through this one first. It says, at what point is constantly praying and asking God for help when you are continuing to not help yourself by always hurting yourself. And this is person, these, a lot of these, they're not signed, and that's cool. They're sort of anonymous. It says, such as a smoking addiction, uh, knowing all too well the consequences it brings. And, you know, we can pray to God for a lot of things, but um, if we're consuming something that's harmful to us, but at the same time praying, uh, help me not to be hurt by it, it's sort of, we sort of defeat the purpose. So what we try to do is when we pray to the Lord, uh, you know, we want him to guide us to go into a right direction. Or even when we counsel with more mature believers and they can show us what the scripture says and what's helpful for us, right? Body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then um, we can be more successful because we're being guided in the right direction, but we're also taking good counsel and following what the scripture says. I like what it says in Isaiah 1, verse 18, where, um, you know, we, we see a lot of, in the, in the prophetic books, we see a lot of God's judgment on the nation and consequently on the people um, because of their continuation of sin. And, um, and we see that he gives ways out, I mean, to the nation. You know, it's, it says here, wash yourselves in verse 16, make yourselves clean, Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. So there's, a, there's certainly a place for prayer, asking for God to strengthen us in those things that we're weak in and asking that he would help us overcome uh, those, those uh, bad choices that we make or the addictions in our life. But and then in verse 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together. I love that. Because God is telling us that we're not in this alone. That although, yes, there's a place for us to make those choices and to then start to walk in the way that He's showing us, He's not going to leave us orphans in this fight. You know, it's a, it's a spiritual battle, right? Every day for us to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so what, what I love about it is He comes alongside us. 
and he walks with us through that battle. And that's, and that's something that we, you know, we can't do it alone. But we do have to make those choices and go in the direction that he's showing us. To that conclusion, eventually, that to know and obey, there's no other way but to just know God and obey Him. And we get to know Him by reading His Word. We get to know Him, His personality, His character, by getting into His Word. So we can never, on, in this lifetime, we can never be in God's Word enough. And then Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So that when we do hit obstacles and trials and tribulations in our life, we're able to get through them because we know God's faithfulness in other things that He's brought us through. So another, another obstacle, another problem is just another way for us to see the faithfulness of God to show us our reliance on our God through thick and thin. The next question, it says, why does... Now, this is out of Revelation. It says, why does heaven need walls and gates? Is it to keep us in? Not that anyone would want to leave. Or are they there to protect us? And if so, from what? Now, so I I taught Revelation uh, a few years ago. wasn't that long ago. Pretty amazing how many things are happening that... uh, a lot of these prophecies will come to fulfillment. But this specifically really has to do with when we look at the New Jerusalem and it comes down from heaven. And you see there's sort of three things going on. You have the new heavens and the new earth, right? Everything's recreated. Because right now we're living tornadoes, earthquakes. We're living in a sin-marred, really, planet and solar system. So there's going to be a renewing, a remaking, right? There's going to be bliss on the earth. Uh, but also, we read in the Scripture that the, uh, the New Jerusalem comes out of heaven. And, you know, I kind of talked about the three kind of things that are happening, three venues, right? The earth, the, right, the new creation, the New Jerusalem, which is huge. It's uh, actually cubed. It's length, width, and depth. Um, and it's all the same amount of, you know, mileage. It's very big. And also... God's throne room, right? There'll be no more separation between humans and the Lord because sin will be judged by then. Um, So I actually looked at some of my notes from Revelation before I came here. And, you know, when you, when you look at the, the ornate structure, you look at the walls, you look at the gates, you look at um, everything that is, is there. uh, I used the word, I used the term in my notes, memorialization. So it's not, there's nobody, there's, there's no evil that can get in. Uh, sin has been judged. Satan has been judged. Uh, but you can kind of see, you know, these, these symbols, uh, right? The, the numbers, right? Twelve, you know, the, the different numbers, uh, the different names, the different stones. So uh, it's more of a memorialization than it is something that we have to be fearful of. Gates open, gates close. Right? So as we go through the Scripture, especially the last few chapters of Revelation, we really kind of, it's, it's sort of like, whoa, you know, you got to step back and say, what am I reading? Read the whole thing, read it again, and then um, you can see Revelation 
uh, especially the early chapters, really pull from Genesis. Right? So in Genesis, paradise is lost, sin enters the world, death enters the world. The human race, you read the news every day, you see the crime rate and all the things that people do to each other. But there's going to be a recreation after sin is judged, and it's going to be, it's going to be pretty incredible. So uh, there's just a lot to it, and uh, you know, it's, a, it's a really good question. I think, too, when you hear that, you think that, think of walls, as Pastor Joe said, either keep people out or keep people in. And I think it's just a great reminder to us that once eternity comes, there's no longer a choice for mankind to change. It's during the time that we're on this earth. And that exclusion of heaven is for everybody on the other side of this life for the choice they made in this life. And, you know, we come together on Wednesday or Sunday or your own personal home groups or Bible studies, your, whatever you do with the Lord, um, you're preparing for that place. And I think when we're in the New Jerusalem, uh, when we're in the new heavens and new earth, we're not going to be excluded from anything. The only people that will be excluded are those who... Uh, didn't accept Christ into their life. A couple of things that I just would like to add. Um, in as Pastor Joe said, sin has been judged by this time. If we look at, at Revelation, especially a lot of Revelation runs, uh, you could say, um, some uh, in order in chronological order. Some of it runs, some chapters actually run consecutively with one another and just are in, uh, building upon the previous mentions of what happens. Um, but in 2021 and 22, it looks like there's a, a chronological order of things because John writes, I saw this, then I saw that, then this happened. So it's it's kind of telling us about this. So yes, so in, in the at the end of Revelation 20, it's very clear, uh, sin was judged, and it says in the, last cha- in the last verse of that chapter, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So now, in chapter 21, it talks about a new heaven, a new earth, John says he saw, and then he says in verse 2, then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. So like Pastor Joe said, it seems like there's different phases of eternity um, and, and in our glorified bodies, we can probably navigate uh, to any place that we see fit that would bring us joy and, you know, as, as we worship the Lord throughout eternity. But what I love about chapter 21, when it speaks about the gates and the walls, and it really it lay, it does lay it out um, pretty, um, uh, you know, pretty accurately as far as the dimensions and all of that about of the new Jerusalem it says in verse 21 in verse 25 of chapter 21 its gates shall not be shut at all by day and then it says in parentheses there shall be no night there so pretty much all the time the gates are left open so it is not to keep anyone in or to keep anyone out it's just it's it could be symbolic of just God's protection, you know. Um, you know, now nothing, we don't have to worry about anything anymore. 
We'll be in heaven. We'll be in eternity seeing him face to face. So uh, it's a beautiful picture. It really is. I do like the fact that there's no more night. I've shared from the pulpit that I have sleep apnea and hypersomnia issues. And oh man, I, you know, it's going to be great. I don't have to struggle and toss and turn and prop my pillows. Praise God. I just wanted to add one thing to what Pastor Paul said. Verse 27 of that same uh, section is, But there shall, uh, there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, so that's important that if you're here or watching on TV, that there'll be an opportunity at the end of tonight, if your name, if you don't know if your name's written in the Lamb book of life, you'll know that, you know, within the hour and have that opportunity to get your name in that book of life because that's so crucial for all of us. Okay, here's one. And these are cool. I mean, there is so, they're very, a lot of variety in here. So this one is, is there a correlation between the plagues of Pharaoh and the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Uh, a lot of plagues seem similar. Thank you. So uh, in the plagues of Egypt, we see Exodus 7, chapter all the way through 12. And then Revelation 6 is the you know, the horsemen of the apocalypse, horsemen and horses. Um, but the ones, the, the plagues of Egypt were more, actually, believe it or not, I think it was a blessing to the Egyptians in that they worshiped false gods. And uh, every plague was a, really an attack on the false god, right? The, the false god of the Nile, uh, the sun god, all the different gods that if they did their obeisance and their worship that they uh, would be cared for. But what God was showing them is God is greater than what they were worshiping. And we see that when the, the Jews left, a lot of the Egyptians brought supplies and gave it to them and they started to believe in the god of the israelites which is pretty awesome uh, you know if you're in a cult and you know it's really love if somebody shows you the way out so there was a reason for that um but if you go to revelation 6 it's very different and there may be some overlap but you know this is a an indicator of of the end times and Actually, we're really seeing a lot of it. Um, I, when I covered this in Revelation, you know, you have the, the uh, pretend Messiah who comes, the Antichrist, the fascist, uh, who says, I have all the answers, right? And then you see the, you know, the conflict on the earth. And, you know, we're seeing that, right? We see that in, with Russia, Ukraine, United States, Western Europe. Now we're seeing a possibility of China and invading Taiwan and I mean these things have great implications so it just seems like everyone's kind of saber rattling and they're they're juxtapositioning themselves for geopolitical dominance it's a fact um, there's a lot of things going on on the planet as we speak uh, we also see with the third seal and the the scales and and uh, the the increase in wheat and um, barley but don't harm the oil and the wine. So the elites of today will always have, because the billionaires will always have, right? But we're suffering, right? Europe is suffering. A lot of countries are suffering, suffering with inflation, food prices and such. So you're seeing a lot of these things. Even uh, the fourth seal, right? The, 
the, of death, the, the chloros in Greek, or the greenish, ghastly colored uh, horse. And what you see there is, the, is death and Hades that follow. And what are we seeing? We're seeing uh, high overdose rates, fentanyl rates, suicides. It's terrible. And that's why as believers, we, we really need to share the good news of hope with this world. You know, I, I talked about Sunday, even sharing the truth and love and humanizing someone who's a loner because you see all these shootings now. Why are people so disillusioned in a country that has so much? So you really are starting to see all the different, uh, what the, horse, the horsemen represent starting to come to, to play, which is more of an eschatological or end times picture versus what was happening in Egypt. So God had his purpose in Egypt, but he also has his purpose with the, with the horsemen. Uh, so it's a great question, and there, there does seem to be some overlap. However, uh, there's definitely, in context, there's a distinction in how God is operating in these times. I don't think I'd, be, I'd want to be around for either one of these. Neither of them sound very pleasant. Um, definitely the plagues of, in Egypt, the ten plagues, had a, like Pastor Joe said, had a purpose for that time. Um, and they were, they were horrific, and um, everyone suffered through those plagues. And of course, the, the death of the firstborn was, um, was that one that... Um, you know, that we look at as, you know, the Passover celebration and the, and the identity with Jesus as He took our sins on the cross. And, um, and so we see maybe a, a little bit of a picture of, more a picture of a life without Christ as opposed to a life with Christ um, in the plagues. That definitely had a purpose then too, um, to humble uh, the Egyptians uh, if you remember, the plague struck Egypt, but didn't strike um, uh, the Israelites. So um, it was, you know, it had its purpose. The plague, the the horsemen of Revelation speak about a time that no one's going to be able to withstand. I mean, it's going to be even more horrendous uh, at that time. It says at the end of Revelation six, um, it says, and and to the mountains and the rocks they'll say, "Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him." who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? I mean, this is going to be, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the great you know, uh, judgment on the world. And so no one's going to be able to withstand that. So a little bit different, and um, maybe Pastor Vinny has something to add. I'm sure he does. Before you, before you jump in there, just to make sure I, I said this properly, right, is that, uh, so when you look at the, the horsemen, um, there is, and when Jesus talked about the end times, he talked about really a lead up, right, the birth pangs, things would get more intense and more frequent. And so I'm, I'm not saying we're in the time of the four horsemen, but what I am saying is that we're definitely in a, a lead up, right, uh, to that time. And you can see a lot of these being fulfilled at the same time. Uh, but believe me, the, the earth will know it. When, so I just wanted to make that very clear. Sometimes I'm saying it, I know it in my mind, but I have to be careful how I say it so that people don't get the wrong impression. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, 
as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So even with the um, plagues of Egypt, uh, he loved Pharaoh. He loved the Egyptian people. He was trying, as, as both pastors said, destroy the idols, the false gods that they really believed in so that they would turn to the mighty, almighty God who was doing miraculous supernatural things. And the same thing with the four horsemen. When that comes, they, you know, it, that could be the greatest time of revival in the world is during the tribulation. We're right now in what's called the church age. And that's for the Gentiles to come to repentance. The tribulation is pretty much geared for the Jewish people to come to repentance. Yes, there will be Gentiles if they live in that time, if they survive and make it. They are going to have a choice to receive Christ. But whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, now is the time. You, you might not survive the tribulation when it starts and keeps getting worse and worse. So um, somebody was, I was talking to somebody last week and they said that evil is so blatant right now. It's right in your face. So people are like, it's, are shying away from evil. And as they're shying away from evil, they're drawn closer and closer to knowing God. Because people like you and me have the answer. And I think we'll see that as the times keep going. You'll have more opportunity to share the love of Christ and the good news of the gospel. Okay, so now we're going to go back to pragmatic Good stuff. I like to kind of intersperse these questions. Now, uh, so there's a two-part question. It says, what is the difference between being born and raised as a Catholic and being saved? So let me just expand that. Whether it's somebody who grew up in the Catholic Church, like me, but didn't really know God, but that was my choice, uh, or somebody who's Catholic, Lutheran, Calvary Chapel, Jewish, whatever, um, versus being saved. In other words, when Jesus came, or even when God spoke to his people uh, prior to Christ, with God the Father, he didn't tell his people, join a religion. He didn't say, start a religion. God always said, whether you're talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament, he wanted a relationship with us. I can point out scriptures in the Old Testament, which God is imploring his people to have a relationship with him, to dialogue with him to reason with him, right? All these kind of things. We see the same thing in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Jesus' biggest problem with, when you're talking about groups of people, he he didn't have a problem with the sinners. His biggest problem was with the religious people because they were hard-hearted. They thought that their rites and rituals would save them, and people do the same thing today. So somebody could be in a Calvary Chapel in this church and maybe just go because their parents take them, and they're not saved. They don't have a relationship with God. Uh, so the difference is to actually, like me, um, you know, to me, religion was a way for me to sort of keep God at a distance, but still be on good terms with him. And everyone has their reasons for doing the things that they do till I started the reading the Bible and people shared the love of Christ with me. And I'm like, wow, he wants me even closer. Like he wants me to talk to him. He wants me to pray. He wants me to, he wants to reveal things through when I read the scripture so my, my understanding of God had changed, right? In the old days, I just called on God when I was in trouble. And then I ignored him for like a week or two. And that just was who I was. I'm not proud of it. Um, and then the second part of it is, is while I have grown up 
with faith as a part of my life, this question burns in my heart and soul. Remember, in John chapter 3, there was a very high echelon religious leader, Nicodemus, who was part of the mucky mucks of the religious people. And he comes to Jesus at night. He doesn't want his, his, you know, his buddies to see that he's actually going to Jesus, but he knows there's something special about him. And Jesus speaks to him about being born again of the Spirit, which is having a relationship with God through believing and trusting in what Christ did on the cross for us. So, um, great question. But I would, like I said, I would expand it to say it's any religion. And sometimes people choose religion almost like, i got to be honest with you, when, when I go to whether it's the Chinese buffet or a, a smorgasbord, I love smorgasbord because I get to take a little bit of each food and, oh, I like more of the salmon, you know. But, and people choose religion that way. They go and they say, well, I like a religion that does this for me. Well, I don't like that religion because of, and this is America. You could choose whatever you want. But would, wouldn't it be better to say, well, actually, I'm seeking truth than I'm seeking a religion that makes me feel happy or special. But what about the truth, right? And that was my journey that I went on when I left religion and I bought all the holy books. I read them all. Nobody has to do all this. But, um, you know, this was something that I, that I chose to do. So, um, let's see. Well, uh, speaking just, for speaking first of all from experience, I was raised Catholic. <clears throat> I, was, I was very, uh, I mean, I was uh, an altar boy. I went to Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school. Um, I learned of I learned all of the Catholic, Roman Catholic traditions, and um, I never opened the Bible in all of my years as a Roman Catholic. That's my that's been that was my experience. I don't think speaking to a lot of people um, that I know, I don't think their experience was was very different from that. So then, when I was when I was older and went. Uh, was invited to a Bible teaching church, um, I started to compare in my mind what I knew from my upbringing and then what the Bible says. And I saw a lot of um, conflict there. And so I said, well, I'm going to take the Word of God as the authority over what man is telling me is the right way. And so this was a decision that I made after Pastor Joe did his type of investigation. I experienced it and did my own uh, type of investigation in that. So then I started to really read the Bible and understand that a lot of what I was brought up with, a lot of the traditions of men, not only were not in the Bible, but many of them actually went against what the Bible said. So, you know, so, you know, the Roman Catholics teach that Mary has been elevated to this position of either co-redeemer or co-redeemer and co-mediator, that we can pray to Mary and that she will hear our prayers and she will answer our prayers, um, along with the, the saints. When the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So now I had a choice to make. I had to figure out wh- who was more authoritative in my life who was I going to believe and I had to choose the Holy Scriptures the Roman Catholics teach the Roman Catholic hierarchy teaches that the Pope is infallible in all of his writings 
God's Word said only one is perfect, and that's God. And so there was a lot of conflict there that, uh, that I had to try to weed out um, in my decisions. And so I see that. Now, can a Roman Catholic <clears throat> take the traditions that they teach and say, I don't... Like, we, we discussed this. Like, many Roman Catholics will not actually believe in what they call the transubstantiation, which is the actual changing of the body uh, of the wafer into the body of Christ during the, during the communion, during the Eucharist, during the Mass. A lot of Roman Catholics, if you ask them, will say, no, it's just symbolic. So they disagree with, with what the church teaches. So if you break it down, um, you may see that they disagree a lot more with the traditions of the Catholic Church than they do uh, with what the Bible says. So then you can have that conversation with them about what it, what it means to be saved. Pastor Joe, my pack was off. Okay. So like Pastor Joe and Pastor Paul said, I, can't, I was a Roman Catholic for about 28 years, uh, K through 12. So very similar to what Pastor Paul just shared. Um, so Catholic Church is man's doctrine. Um mingling with biblical doctrine. And I was just reading today in Numbers 33, verses 52 and 53. This is uh, God speaking to Moses. When you come into the land of Canaan, the, the promised land. Verse 52, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. So, <clears throat> most Roman Catholics that I know are very sincere. They're very faithful um, in their Catholicism. However, like me and Pastor Joe and Pastor Paul, we were ignorant of the things of God shown from Genesis to Revelation. The Catholic Church, they still do. They have the missalettes and they'll give you a portion. They'll give you an appetizer, you know, of God's Word. But you're not getting the whole counsel of God. And that's so huge to know all of God's heart and all of His mind. So um, we hear the word religion and relationship. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Well, I don't know about you. My arm's too short. I can't reach him. Um, God's uh, relationship is God's attempt to reach man, and his arm is not short. He made it. He came to this earth. He walked on it. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And just like both pastors said, probably half of you here, or at least... I'm, I'm going to say almost half have Roman Catholic backgrounds. So you know yourself, just like you were sharing, Pastor Paul, you come to that point in your walk with the Lord, who are you going to listen to? And all you have to do is take the current person who's the Pope, check out what he says with the Bible. It's a no-brainer. So you have to follow man or you follow God. And you have to come to that conclusion. As for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. 
You know, it, it's pretty simple when it comes down to that. And Catholics can be born again. But just like everybody in this church, not everybody that comes to this church is born again. They have to make that decision and they have to follow Christ. And the last thing I had um, is something Pastor Paul said. There is in Hebrews um, 10.26 it says, there's no sacrifices that you need anymore. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. No further sacrifice has to be made for sin. And it's important that the Catholics at the Mass, they're sacrificing Jesus over and over and over and over again. And they believe you're literally eating the body and blood of Christ. And if you read the Scriptures, when Christ said that um, in Caesarea Philippi, He said a lot of people left Him because that was a, too hard of a saying for them. But the guys and girls who hung around, Jesus said, I'm talking about spiritual things, not physical things. Yeah, and it's, it's an important point to make. Like you said, Calvary Chapel, um, it could be any denomination and, you know, could be Lutheran, could be Baptist, you know. You could, you, you could even go to a church that has good teaching, but unless you decide to follow Christ and have that personal relationship, you're not born again of the Spirit. So, um, yeah, so we just want, I just want to make sure we expanded it to include any really schism or, you know, um, type of religion or, or um, you know, did you want to keep your hand up? Okay. So just to, just to just add one more thing, as if it, it, it does, it's not needed, but... So it doesn't have to be a denomination. It doesn't have to be any religion, right? You could be irrelig- non-religious at all. But in First Peter one eighteen and 19, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. It could be just something that you, were, you grew up in. You grew up in this, in this religion. Uh, this denomination or this or this spirituality, you were not redeemed with that, but in verse nineteen, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, so we 're saved through faith in Jesus, faith alone in Jesus alone okay, so the question is back to pragmatism, right? How do we know the difference between the hardships in life versus god 's discipline? That's a great one. Actually, when something bad happens in our life, we can, I have three categories here, but somebody may say I have two more categories. So something happens to us that we perceive as negative. Um, Number one, is it self-caused? Is it self-caused? Is, you know, are we doing something that causes our own problems? And if we're honest with ourselves, we do that. We cause our own problems. It's not necessarily God's discipline. It's just a foolish decision that we we make. Um, Another one is, right, like the person asks, it could be discipline. Hebrews 12. Is God chastening us because He loves us and we're maybe a new believer and we're, you know, we're talking Jesus, 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 but we're also still doing things that give people the wrong impression of what a follower of Jesus does, so he exposes it. 
Um, is it another category? It's just the perils of life, trials. You know, somebody, uh, you left your credit card at the, at the grocery store, somebody picked it up, made a $300 purchase on Amazon. Might not be God's discipline, it just is bad people in the world, right? Instead of returning it to you or returning it to the store manager, they went and bought something really quick before you canceled it. So you, you can see various uh, categories of things that we could consider negative. Now, an example of maybe God's discipline would be if maybe we come to the Lord and we still have a sharp tongue. You know, we, we still gossip. You know, we, we shouldn't do it. And God allows a person that we gossip to to, it, to get back to the victim. And then the victim confronts us and we feel really embarrassed. So could that be a form of God's discipline? It could be to teach us, stop doing that. But it's also probably fits into the self-caused category, right? Well, if we run our mouths enough, enough eventually it's going to come and bite us back, right? So um, I, I, I look at it as a case-by-case basis. I look back at my life, and sometimes hindsight's twenty twenty. Sometimes you don't really know. There's just things you don't know. There's things that are going on in the spiritual realm he hasn't revealed. And then there's things that he does reveal. He, he does reveal to us that it was discipline because he wants the best for us, right? I can say that as the three of us as pastors, um, sometimes the discipline was, was tough that we received from the Lord, but he had a greater plan for us that maybe as a new believer, we had no idea we would end up up here. But he had to, to chasten us and get us to a point where we weren't just running around in our flesh all the time that he wanted us to lead a congregation, right? So uh, interesting stuff. It's a great question. And probably a lot of people are thinking it. And this person asked it. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, it says, We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And we are hard-pressed on every side by troubles and tribulations, but we are not crushed. So no matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever, there's hardships in life. It's just part of our uh, cycle on this planet because of the the, um, sin nature and the fall of man. So there's going to be hardships. So hardships that we all go through show us where we are in our relationship with Christ. How much we're relying on Him versus, uh, I guess, freaking out or panicking or stressing out or turning to other ways to maybe medicate ourselves so we're not thinking about those things. And as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and you have God's peace really reigning in your heart, the hardships really become an opportunity to see God's, again, as I said earlier, like His faithfulness and His realness in your life. And as far as discipline, just like the Scripture says, uh, a parent, a child is disciplined by loving parents. So God will always, if we're out of line, discipline us to get our attention because he doesn't, he knows where we're heading. He doesn't want us to get to that place. He wants to veer us and get us back on the right track.
so disciplined by God. Uh, just, uh, I think, I forget where we were that we were talking about it. Um, was it Moses that you used as the example? Three choices. Was that Moses? David. David. So David, um, he was given three choices. Two of them were man's uh, carrying out the punishment. Or God could carry out the punishment. And David says, oh, I'm going with God. Because I know that he, he's faithful. Who knows what wacky man's going to do. But God is going to bring it about for our benefit, even though we might have to go through hardship. So that's a beautiful thing. Our God cares. And remember, he's almighty. All. Capital A. L.L. He can handle any situation. I heard something today. He's holding the whole universe together. And if you're falling apart, please remember that he can hold you together if he's holding the whole planet together. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, you, know, you know, God's discipline takes many forms. Um, and, and our hardships, hardships, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties we go through, also take many forms, um, self, some self-imposed, some natural occurrences, and some, like in Job's life, were allowed by God for a greater purpose that Job, for most of the recorded time that we hear about him, didn't even realize himself. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, his, his situation you know, losing his livelihood, losing his family, and then having, you know, physical uh, infirmities um, that, you know, really bad. Um, most of the time, people looked at his situation and said, God is disciplining you, Job. But they were mistaken. So if, you know, so we may not be able to tell if it's God's, I mean, we may be able to see a direct correlation between our sin and the consequences. That's, that's a pretty easy one. But sometimes not so much. Maybe, um, you know, we, we're just a little bit off mark and, you know, God says, like Pastor Vinny said, I just want to get you back on track. You know, and so I'm going to allow this in your life. It's for a purpose. But remember, God's gracious. And his, his, even His discipline is measured to, uh, to those who love Him. It's measured. And so uh, God knows exactly how much we need for the purposes that are beyond what we could even imagine. So, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm thinking as uh, Pastor Paul's talking, none of us were the age we are right now. And the older we get, we can look back and see God's faithfulness in our lives through the times of discipline and hardships. And I know we're going to thank and give God all the glory when we're in heaven, but I was thinking of Job. How many people are going to, billions, millions of people are going to go say, Job, I'm so glad you went through what you did because it really helped me out when I was on planet Earth. And Job will go, I know, I know, <laughs> but we give the glory to God. He got me through it too, just like he did you. Okay, it's going to seem like this is a humorous question, but the person came to me and explained what they meant by it. So it's going to sound funny, but I'm going to actually expand it to include other things. It says, since we will be eating 
at the marriage supper of the Lamb, will we be needing to use bathrooms? And will we be able to eat and eat forever and not get fat? So the things that plague us on the earth. I mean, I think about food poisoning, diabetes, food allergies, even cancers from ingesting certain things that people find out later, drugs that are harmful. Um, obviously, we won't be dealing with any of this stuff. I mean, since the beginning of science and time, um, scientists have tried to make what's called a perpetual motion machine. And some have fancied that this is, I learned this in science in college, it's fun stuff, but so many inventors try to make this perpetual, like it just kept running, it wouldn't need fuel, it wouldn't need any intervention, it just would work for you for pretty much forever. But because of the laws of physics and entropy and, and the universe, no one has been able to build this machine. Um, even nuclear energy can produce a lot of power, but eventually it, it needs more fuel. Uh, so the point that I'm trying to make is that, is that when we have our glorified bodies, we are not subject to sin and death. So we're not subject to the things that cause us to be sick and die. So sickness is eradicated. So going back to the perpetual motion machine, whatever we eat, whatever he has, between the food that he provides and the bodies he provides, it is perfectly used up with no waste. Um, and whether it's waste in fat cells or waste in, you know, being sick, I don't want to go into detail. You know what I'm saying? We, I just read the question. So, uh, uh, so basically, you know, the, it'll be a different time. Just like the, our bodies won't die, right? Our bodies now die. Uh, I think the average age of American, uh, the American male is like 70, 76 years old. So if you're older than that, you, you beat the odds, okay? But the point is that um, our bodies will be different, and we won't have the things that plague us now then. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we, our bodies will be perfect. Um, everything in eternity in heaven will be perfect. Uh, so we will perfectly absorb everything that we ingest. And, you know, it seems as though we will eat in, in heaven. You know, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. It seems as though uh, we will be partaking in that same way. Um, I don't know, maybe not. I mean, it just seems like we will. We will. And if we do, we will absorb everything necessary and there will be nothing to eliminate. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll just be perfectly absorbed. And I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. So. I think you guys answered this tremendously. And I mean, the way you approach it, you could really give a stinky answer. You know what I'm saying? So I agree with the two pastors and I have nothing else to say. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it says... Who will populate the earth in the millennium following Christ's return? Will Satan be alive and well during this period? So when we go through Revelation, again, if it does appear that it is chronological, is that you know you have those that seven-year tribulation period, you have the Lord's return with his saints in tow, so to speak, you have the um, you know, Satan is cast into the abyss. 
um, you know, so who's left in the millennial, in the millennial period? It, it does appear that, so it would be believers whose bodies have been changed. 1 Corinthians 15, right? The body's changed uh, because we, we have, will have come from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, where the Lord returns. And of course, he's going to be the first one coming down. He doesn't need our help, but we'll be with him. Um, so it'll be believers with, with new bodies, right? It'll also be people who survive the seven-year tribulation. Um, they, you know, just people who've been on the earth and they survive these, these crazy times, these, these judgments, major loss of population. Uh, Satan, is he's cast into the abyss, babies born during that time, and then God will give humanity one last chance to decide whether they want him or they want the alternative, right? So to speak, Satan will be released. He'll deceive many, not all. Um, there'll be another one last battle, and that's it. Then all the evil, all the people who have rejected the Lord will be um, judged at the great white throne judgment. So that seems to be the order of of how it, it seems to work. But, you know, it, it's going to be a fascinating time. I would imagine, you know, what is our role? We have these re- glorified bodies, and, and then there's people who have these bodies that, that still die. And, I mean, do we... Do we go around trying to convince people that they really, listen, you saw what happened in the last seven years. You survived it. Look at us. We're very different. Um, Do we we try to convince them like a, you know, a supercharged witnessing kind of thing? And that's basically what we do, which would be kind of cool uh, to keep them from that last rebellion. So that's my speculation. doesn't say that in the scripture. I always try to make the differentiation between what does God's word say and what do I think and conjecture so that's my conjecture but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch definitely that's going to be some time so uh, I'm going to take the part with Satan he will be alive but he won't be doing well he'll be um, chained for that thousand years he won't have an influence on the earth that doesn't mean that the sin nature of man won't be there it will be but it says in the Scriptures that God will reign with an ironed hand. Meaning that any kind of problem will be, any kind of crime, sin will be squashed out right away. Um, and then as Pastor Joe said, at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be let loose again. And then he'll start the rebellion again. And people, it's so hard to believe that even though Jesus is reigning on the earth, that people will choose Satan over Jesus Christ. That's so wild, you know. But um, it just shows the heart of man is so wicked that even with Jesus sitting on the throne and you can see him, that people will rebel. And that's one of those things I'm thinking back to the walls, you know. We're going to be so in glory that those walls could always remind us that we made the right choice and that we have freedom throughout the universe and no one else ever again can come into the kingdom of God because they had their choice for the X amount of years they were on this earth. Um, just for, just uh, for your own study, Revelation 20 speaks about this, the, the thousand year reign. 
of Christ. It says in verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, uh, Satan, that serpent of old who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he could deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So we see that. Um, so he, like Pastor Vinny said, he'll be alive, but he won't be doing well. Um, the, the rest of the earth will, will populate further during the thousand year uh, millennial reign. Um, and it will be, uh, it, Christ will be on the throne and will be reigning with him um, if, yeah, we'll be reigning with him if we die or raptured before then. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be a glorious time, um, but people will still have their own minds and their own choices to make. And, um, and so, you know, it'll be, it'll be different than now. There won't be evil reigning as it is now. Um, but there's still, people will still turn from God for some reason. Okay, so uh, why don't we... Close. Mm-hmm. So, um, how far this number is off, but they say about 150,000 people go into eternity throughout the planet each day. That's a lot of people. And we might know one person today that went into eternity. Um, I have a friend, uh, I know some of you are praying for her, Holly, who was a colleague of mine in the years I taught in high school, was in a horrific car accident. And they said, if you saw the car, you're surprised that anybody lived. Well, she lived, and her daughter lived, and her dog lived. They were all in the car. Mm. But Holly is going through her fourth surgery this Saturday. So when we have, any time we think about things like that tragedy, you wonder right now if there's somebody here or somebody listening on the Internet that God is moving on their heart. You know, God wants to have that personal relationship with that person. And, and tonight might be the night of your salvation. So, Pastor Joe, if somebody is out here or on the Internet that wants to know, how do I become a believer in Christ? What do I have to do to be saved? How can I get my name written in the book of life? What would you say? Yeah, so... Um... Even through our teaching tonight, we actually shared the gospel. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So basically, it is a, it's a choice. It's an act of your free will. Um, God does draw us, the Bible says. And it's up to us whether we're going to, at some finite point in time in our lives, turn and say, you know what, Lord, I I do believe and I I want to follow you and I want to have a relationship with you. So, you know, even when I do uh, altar calls and I share or we do altar calls, the words are always different because it's really not the words that matter. It's really the position of the the intellect, the free will, the choice, the emotions all kind of come together and we say, yes, this is what I want. So it's something simple like this. You could repeat it if you like. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe and know that you died on the cross for my sins. I want to choose you today. 
I want to repent of my self-directed life. And I want to follow you. I know that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I look forward to walking with you all of the days of this life and into eternity. If you said that prayer, um, there's some information about the church. You could send us an email, call us up. We'd love to send you a Bible for free so you can get started on your relationship with God. You know, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So basically, as you start to read, you know, you start to understand more and it comes alive and you understand your relationship with God. So it's very exciting. It really is. And we never want to really kind of even close any sermon without sharing the good news of salvation. This truly is the good news. You come, he, he, he loves you, he wants you, he desires you, and he's going to give you that opportunity. Take that opportunity, you come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're so awesome, you're so good, and uh, we just pray, Lord, that some of these questions and answers that it scratched where people were itching, spiritually, so to speak, uh, we do pray if there's anybody who did receive Jesus that they would just be so excited about that and uh, they would be looking forward to that new relationship with you. Lord, we pray for the sick. We pray for those who are hurting and suffering. Uh, we just pray all these things and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.